Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jimmy Trash Can, Cream Cheese, Conrad Dino. Conrad, add that one too. Alongside the pride of New Hampshire, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies is actually a little bit late. He'll be joining us soon. And everyone's favorite left back, unless you're Bob Bradley, because that would be Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm talking about Hollywood Heath Pierce, and yes, I chose violence when introducing Heath today. And today we're going to jump back into the club scene for the U.S. Men's National Team player pool and take a lap around the world to see mm-hmm. who is doing what and when. But first, Heath, mm-hmm. I've decided that. I need to see something from all of our players this weekend, all of them. And and I and are you ready for this? Are you yeah. sitting down? You're sitting down. I can see you're sitting down. Mm-hmm. Hope everybody else is sitting down too. I want to see our guys. Hold on, Jimmy, Jimmy, hold on. Let everybody get a chance to sit down. Okay, sure. Okay. And if you're listening I to think, the car, yeah, yeah. Strap, stay strap seated. Seat yeah, belts, yeah. Put your okay. seatbelts on. I think I think we've given enough time for people to sit down because I don't want anybody to pass out. I, don't I have want no idea what out. you're gonna say, but like you know, this is a big one. This is a big one. This is a big okay. one. <laughs> I'm maybe too much hype here. Okay. But I want to see our guys, all of them, play with a chip on their shoulder. When I look back on those two games, and I said we were going to look back, we we're looking forward. But I think we lacked a little bit of that. And that's something that's, mm-hmm. I think, core to our identity, to our identity, where we have to play like we have something to prove. And it didn't look like that. And, and that's not something, Heath, and you know this, mm-hmm. that you just flip a switch and it happens. Like all of a sudden the World Cup starts. Now we got something to prove. This is an everyday type of thing. This is a habit and a discipline that you have to build. And it doesn't just start in games. It starts in training. Are you stepping up and being the guy? Are you leading? That's what we need. And we need all of our guys to start to switch into that mindset. So I don't know. And I assume, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that in particular. But then also, what do you think Greg is doing now to, to send texts to guys? What, what is his exit? You know when we had exit meetings with the national team, coaching yeah. staff? What do you think he said to the guys on the way out? And also, I want to welcome Charlie Davies in who – is that a turtleneck? Are you wearing a turtleneck? I am. <laughs> oh, fuck. Shark turtleneck Davies. Right 
Charlie <laughs> Turtleneck. Charlie, Charlie Turtleneck, dude. I love it. Uh, All right, so Heath, you go first, and then we, we, I think uh, yeah. Charlie will be able to catch up based um, on what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, just for a little anecdote, just to start with a little exit meeting story. Uh, I, I remember, <laughs> and I brought this up. I brought this up to to, to Bob Bradley, uh, so I'm comfortable saying this now. But I brought it up to him when I was doing an LAFC game, and, and he laughed and said that I was playing into the stereotype of him. And I was like, Bob, no, I was there. Like, I experienced it. I'm not telling the rumor. Like, I lived it. And so we, we played U.S. Mexico. Wait, we wait, went wait, 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 pull it back. So he, wait, he, you said something on air when he was I coaching said, LAFC. No, no, not on air. I was out. It was one of the few times I went out to LAFC tr uh, training grounds, like midweek, you know, when they have like a media day very early on. Um, uh, and when Bob was still there and, and I was telling him that I like, I told the story about how, you know, Bob is a tough love kind of guy, you know, and, and yeah. like the nicest thing I think Bob ever said to me was that was okay. And that was Bob's <laughs> version of saying that was Bob's version of saying you, I love you, you did well, but I'm not going to give you too much. I'm not going to give you too much, not too high, not too low. And so it was against us, Mexico. We played the two zero. It's the Dos Acero in Columbus, 2009, you mm -hmm. know, red card from Rafa Marquez, <laughs> a huge game for us. The wind is going sideways. It's a wild game. It it's, crazy still, day. it's still, it's still a pro Mexico crowd. Oddly, even though there was like all these like really borderline illegal ways of not giving tickets to uh, like the, the Mexico fans. Um, and, at, I met him in the next morning and uh, for for in, for a coffee down in the lobby, and that was his words. He was like, "You know what, Heath? That was a uh, that was okay." You know, <laughs> and 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 I knew compared to like the death stare and okay, I now had a spectrum, right? Which was the death stare was you're never gonna play on my national team again, and <laughs> or I'm and, gonna have Jesse Marsh yeah, come tell you yeah, you're never gonna yeah. play for the national team. And again. the that was okay being like. Hey, that was a good performance. We 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 just got a dose of Cero and and you did well. And I was in a time period in, in Germany where I wasn't playing week in and week out. And so you know, in in in, I guess you put all that together. I remember thinking like, okay, I've got to figure that out, right? And so when we're talking about exit meetings, you really have to get an understanding of of a coach. I talked about Bruce Arena, where my exit meeting from that January camp where we played four games in the very beginning was like, hey, that guy's better than you right now. You need to get better, and that's okay but you need to get better if you want to beat that guy. And, and those are the types of things that like you build a relationship and you also have to understand a language of a coach, right? Mm -hmm. We all use different words. We describe things differently. Uh, and, and so I know this is a super long winded story, but I'm saying like for exit meetings, a lot of it is in the value of, of what you're saying and how it's being interpreted, right? And how they're going to respond to those messages. You could light any player up from that camp, but sure. is that the right thing to do? And are there players that you can, and there's players that you can't. Okay, so Charlie, I started off before you hopped on saying that I just want to see our guys play with a chip on their shoulder. I think we lack that a little bit over the two games. And I want to see that back because I think that's core to our, our identity as a national team. And that should ne we should never lose that. Or even if we start you know, producing Champions League winners every single season, we should never lose that, that chip on our shoulder to always feel like we need to prove something. And that happens in training. It doesn't just happen when the games start. You can't just hit a switch and make that happen. It has to, it has to be a habit and discipline. So I want your thoughts on the, on the chip on the shoulder. But then also, what do you think the <clears throat> is being said by Greg Berhalter in these exit meetings with his players? Because as Heath correctly stated, you have to handle everybody a little bit different. You do. I mean, that's the art of coaching. You, you can't coach every, everyone in the same manner. Like you knew with Charlie, you couldn't curse at him because he, he he didn't like curse words. You, know? you had to say, "Hey Charlie, I'm gonna kick that that bottom of yours if you don't get it together." But if, if oh, you, old buddy, if you curse if you cursed at me, it, it was it was a wrap. Um, Gosh darn it, Charlie! <laughs> Doggone it! <laughs> 
I think Stop what being it, offside. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I, I think the exit, you know, when you're talking about an exit interview, you're basically saying what you did well, what you didn't do well. How many players did well? We, we've, we've already gone over that. No one understood the tactics in, in his mind. You didn't play to the way I, you were supposed to and how I thought we were going to play. But that's beside the point because players had to change because it wasn't going to work. Whatever the, the, the style was, it wasn't working. The, the where the players were set up, we weren't, we shouldn't have been playing out of the back, period. So it doesn't matter if guys weren't in the right passing period. lanes. It's That's just a period. period. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think right now it, it's about, okay, guys, we have to get back into the right frame of mind. And when we are playing at our best, in particular games against Mexico, we played up to a certain level because Mexico was the better team. We played up and we played really well. But then when there are so many instances where we played down and we played broken, guys weren't aligned. So we all have to get on the same page. And I think from now until the World Cup, it's going to be constant dialogue. Think about how much free time that we had when we were playing for our club teams. You had a lot of free time. So if you really care about the World Cup, if you care about representing your country, you're going to take the time to look at diagrams of, of how to play through Wales, how, how people have beaten England. I'm sure there's tons and tons of clips of England getting broken down, Wales getting broken down, and Iran getting broken down, and vice versa, how they've broken down opponents, and how the U.S. is going to come together to win these games, to get results, to get through qualifying. So it's got to be a positive spin. If you're a coach, you're getting in, in, in the mentality of that happened, we learned from it, it sucked, but we're going to be better for it. And we're going to head into Qatar as a group unified on the same page. And I'm going to go and get the most out of each single person in particularly my big players, my stars who did not show up in this last camp. Weston McKinney was way below par, way below par. He's got to be big. Christian Poole's like, I know you're not playing with your club. I know there's a lot of outside noise and where you're going. Are you going to AC Milan? What your next club is? I want you to be big for me. And what how you're going to be big for the U.S. men's national team is by playing to your strengths. Right, right, right. Uh, one, one exit strategy, exit meeting I had with Bob. It was end of 2009, before, obviously, the Janu big January camp in, Jan in 2010 and, and the World Cup in 2010. And it's in Denmark after we played against, was it Slovakia and... And oh, we had a lot. We had a lot. Those are all exits. Like that was when yeah. I, and that was the last time break, he was going to see a lot of the European base that, guys. That was when Bob talked to me about how spoiled California players are and the California kids are. Like it's more <laughs> like the group of like the Robbie Rogers, uh, Charlie Dave, uh, not Charlie Davies, but um, Sasha Kleshin, Sasha Kleshin, like Kyle Hubber. Benny Phil Hubber, like that group. Yeah, yeah. He literally was like, I don't know what's wrong with these guys. They're just so spoiled. <laughs> and and I remember being like, well, I'm glad he doesn't think Modesto is part of California. Yeah, well, kind of. It kind of isn't. You know, I'd like to think I wasn't. <laughs> part of that either even being yeah. a california kid but i remember sitting down with him there was like a weird hotel where they had this big lobby at the bottom and and so we sit down and i don't know what the hell bob's gonna tell me he's like so look <laughs> you, you got a 50 50 chance of making the team <laughs> yeah. and at that point i was like yeah i'll take that yeah i'll take that i thought i thought it was 10 percent. you know 10 yeah. 10 10 90 so i'll take 50 50 of course, I, I was uh, captain in our first friendly in January. I got a red card in 15 minutes and never played for the national team again and went out in a blaze of glory, everybody. But but at that point, that was an important exit meeting for me. And I, I came out of that 
thinking that to your guys's point that I had a chance and I, I would bet on myself in a 50 50 situation. Obviously I didn't make the most of it. So that, that was unfortunate for, for me, but, but I'm just curious as to what Greg's doing. Is he putting his arm around certain guys? Is that what they need? Or do they need a kick in the ass, you know, or sorry, Charlie kick in the bottom. It's, it's, so, it's, it's both. I think it's both. Yeah. You can do both, right? You can, you can have that conversation or say both things in, in one conversation. So I'm curious. So let's, let's, let's look ahead. Now we have a big preview. We'll, we'll run through everybody. That's pretty uh, heavily involved in our national team. We'll start with Christian Pulisic, though, because this is a big game for Chelsea, not only for Christian, but Chelsea overall. Grant Potter is now going to be in charge of his first Premier League game. They're playing away at Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. I don't think that Chris Richards is going to play. I, I, I really don't see a situation for him to play against Palace. The last time, maybe, maybe if they had a lead, they want to bring in a defender to make that happen. But the last time they did that, they were up 2-1 on Manchester <laughs> City. Chris Richards came well. in and then Erwin Holland City. scored. Erling Holland scored three yeah. goals in 28 yeah. minutes to win it four is to Man two. City, though. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And Erling Holland is is an absolute unit. <laughs> so <laughs> we got to take all that into consideration. Well, I don't think we're going to see Chris Richards, but maybe we will. With regard to Christian Pulisic, though, I'm very curious as to how Graham Potter is going to use him, if at all. There's rumors coming out now. Fabrizio Romano, one of our own here at CBS, he said that Christopher Nkunku is looking to sign a potential deal for the summer of of nor next summer in 23. That's not a good sign for Christian Pulisic, obviously, that that Graham Potter's already coming in and they're already looking to find players that play in a similar position to Christian. I think he's going to be on his way out. Uh, so, 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 Charlie, I'll come to you first as our resident attacker here. No disrespect, Keith. I know you like to bomb forward sometimes. All the time. Uh, <laughs> it, it's going to be a process. No matter who the manager was. For Christian, he has got to earn his way. He's got to earn the trust of the manager. And he's got to earn... Not only minutes, but he's got to earn playing time in training. And it, and it goes to the back to every single day. No matter if a coach sees you in a positive light or negative light, if you perform every day in training, you're going to sway him. You're going to grow on him. And then ultimately, you're going to get an opportunity. And I, I know once you, you get past a certain, certain threshold, you feel like you, do, you shouldn't be put in that position where you have to earn your starts from coming in as a substitute. And sometimes, you know, you're down a goal, you're not getting the ball or you're up a goal and you got to defend and you're not really getting to a chance to attack it. You, you can name a number of different circumstances coming in as a substitute and not getting feeling like you're getting a proper chance. But if that's the way it's got to be, then that's the way it's got to be. And he's got to, he's got to come with that mentality of whenever I step on the pitch, I'm going to leave a positive impact. So Graham Potter goes back in the locker room and goes, I, I, got, I got to get more minutes out of him because he's too damn good. That's that's just got to be the mentality. And I, I hope that he just gets gets an opportunity because he, of of his, his performances and training. Well, the projected lineups that I'm seeing around don't have him in the lineup. They got Havertz on one side, Sterling on the other, and Aubameyang up top with Kovacic. That's and, a, no and surprise. That's no no surprise, surprise. But, but I'm curious to see, to your point, what he does with his minutes, because we could argue, Heath, that he didn't really take any, either of the games of Japan and Saudi Arabia by the scruff of the neck and said, I'm going to take it over. I'm going to figure out a way. We saw moments where he drops Which in, but and then he usually... swallows to like three guys and he gets fouled and then, and then, and then we go from there. But, but I've seen some chatter before you jump in. I see some chatter around the internet and there's a lot of chatter on the internet that says that maybe Christian Pulisic has peaked. And, and, I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily true. The guy's only 24. He's got plenty of time to have a renaissance or whatever. But it does seem like he's stagnated in some 
ways. And it doesn't help that he's not playing, obviously, regularly. Which means you, you, some, in a lot of cases, in most cases, you need a change of scenery. And yes. You need to go somewhere yeah. where you're going to get an opportunity, where a coach fancies your game. That's typically what, what happens across the world. Guys peak maybe in a club. At that club, you've maybe peaked. So you got to go to another club. And typically, it's not a sideways step. It's probably one step back to go two steps forward. But all of a sudden, you turn from a guy who's not really playing or playing here and there to you're the guy. And you're playing every week. and you Or you turn yourself into the guy because you're starting every week. And I think that's what he needs to do at this point. Well, I think there's I, just I, I think there's a belief go, that go. I, I think there's a belief that the Christian Pulisic that we want is going to be the biggest, best superstar we've ever had. And by that, we mean through the lens of an American sports fan, which is well, how does he compare to the top 10 players in the world? Right. And I don't think that's what it's going to be. Now, it becomes incremental growth and 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 marginal that we're going to see. But we saw him take over games in the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga is not the Premier League. Bundesliga well, is not even when he joined Champions Chelsea League. initially, he was taking over games under Frank Lampard. And I know that they had less competition because they had the transfer ban at that time. And yeah, but and and and, and like I, I get it. He doesn't necessarily he have there too. Yeah, and he, he doesn't did. necessarily have a final product, right? Like he's not he's not like a a bona fide goal scorer. He hasn't added little pieces that you go. How do you take him from like a winger or like an kind of introverted winger that drives inside from uh, on the weak side to being like a, a ten and ten plus goal and assist player a year, maybe that's not, maybe that's not the case. So like Charlie said, maybe it is a step back to find your, you know, 12 goals, 12 assists, uh, type of season in a league where you can be the dominant force. You can be the go-to guy. You can have a little more stability because I don't think we've necessarily, necessarily seen his upside. Um, but we are seeing sort of a stagnation, so to speak right now in terms of like, we know he's fantastic, but is he world-class? There's a, there's a delta there. And we saw him trending in that direction. And I feel like he's hit a little bit of that wall right now that he's plateauing. That doesn't mean that it's a ceiling. Okay, so say he goes to Milan. He's got Rafael Leao. <laughs> I mean, he's not getting in over Leao. No, uh, no. Junior Messias is pretty good as well. They have solo makers. They have a whole bunch of players that are pretty solid. I mean, he's still going to have to go and fight. And I, and I, not to say yeah, that he's not going to fight. I, I get that. But what about Juventus? What about Juventus? Well, when Chiesa comes back, Di Maria, it's just, I, I just don't know if he's going to be. It's, Di Maria is no spring chicken anymore. No, he's not, but he, he still, he still gets goals and assist contributions yeah. pretty consistently when he's on the field. Charlie, yeah, go ahead. And they're in a wing back system. I, I would yeah, say yeah. He, he would only go to Milan if, if they, they sold the out. And yeah, that's true. And I could see him getting the playing time there at least and then it's up to him to to try and figure out how to how to have success in that league remember that the Syria is, is not a, a league that's wide open and uh and not physical I mean it's it's so tactically rigid and and physical for Christian Pulisic I don't know if he's going to get the room that you you would want him to have in that type of league I, I'm thinking more like playing on an Ajax where you're going to be playing Champions League, it's an open league. He's going to have a lot of space. That's where you can grow into becoming his best, the best version of Christian Pulisic. A little bit less pressure, and then from there, you're playing Champions League matches where you can, you know, still elevate in Champions League. That could be a great spot for him. A, a, a Dutch league, yeah, you're not playing in the Champions League teams all the, all the, every week, but you are in the best team. You're playing every time, and you still play at top level competition in Europe. Ajax would be a really interesting move because 
of all the things that you mentioned and because their players. I'm so yes talented. on Ajax for any one of our young players. I, I, I mean, but that's also because I just have an obsession with like, I want our players to go there as the next step. Like MLS should just form a full, like an exclusive partnership with Ajax and PSV. And that's it. You go one or the other if you get sold. <laughs> and you got to start there. Uh, because like yeah, the a amount great of stepping stone into the, the rest amount of, Europe, of stars sure. that have gone there first from their home countries and then became the big stars, um, especially mostly for our attacking players, but even like players, uh, well, John O'Brien, John back, O'Brien you know? played at Ajax. He got identified at 16. He grew up in my area, John O'Brien. And we were mm-hmm. like, Who, who's the kid? We go look at tournaments. Who's the kid that's getting scouted by Ajax? Because even then there was that vibe about what Ajax does and the players that they produce. And then Beasley, DeMarcus played it uh, with PSV as well. I, that would be amazing. I would love that to happen. So let's talk now. Keep it in the Premier League. Let's talk about Leeds. They're at home to Aston Villa. Jesse Marsh has come out and confirmed that Luke Ayling, Liam Cooper, and Junior Firpo are all back this weekend, and Rodrigo could return from a shoulder problem. Uh, that Those first three names are all more defensive-minded, but the Rodrigo one is interesting because when I look at Leeds, they've got Bamford, who looks to be back at full health, at number nine. You got Jack Harrison on the left side, former NYCFC product. And then if Rodrigo comes in at the right, you also have Sinistera, who just scored two goals for Colombia against Mexico, who scored two very good goals, by the way. You're not going to sit Sinistera. So you got Sinistera on one side, Harrison on the other. If Rodrigo is ready, does Brendan Aronson have to make way? That's interesting. And then you got Tyler Adams, obviously. And this is a big game for for Leeds overall. Uh, Heath, I'll throw this one back to you to start. What, what, are you, what are you expecting here? Do you think Jesse would even consider sitting in Tyler and Brendan, given the minutes that they put in with the U.S.? I mean, it, that d- tends to be a theme, right? Which is like uh, minute management, right? Load management is a really important part. And, and while they didn't have to travel much, I think that takes away a lot of the things that we would do, go through mm-hmm, when you go through mm-hmm. qualifying and you come back on a, you know, two days before match and you're exhausted and jet lagged and also coming off of minutes played and all that stuff taken into effect. I don't think you necessarily have to, you know, maybe, maybe your second, third sub out or you're rotating them, but like they've been core to the team. Um, so I, I think that you continue with them and, and also, you know, make that statement that you, you're, you know, we're, we're, we're building a Leeds America now and you can't turn your back <laughs> on them when all of us, when all of our fans are, you got to ride, you got to ride with these guys. Cause they are, they are helping your team get results right now. Okay. And then, Charlie, Brendan Aronson didn't start against Saudi Arabia. And when he came on, I don't really remember him doing much. And he was relatively quiet against Japan as well. It looks like at the very least, even if he starts, he's going to be central. And I don't know if that's what's best for us, you know, from thinking through the lens or seeing, looking through the lens of a U.S. men's national team perspective. We kind of want him out on the wing because we feel like he's better there. You just want him playing. Let's be real. I mean... I want him just having minutes, just continue to to compete. And he's got to get stronger and he, he's got to, he's got to figure out ways to get on the ball and, and beat you just outside of just running and, and moving into spaces. So um, it's, it's, it's a great league. I mean, it's the best league in the world. I just hope he gets uh, a chance to continue to d- develop and, and be the player that we need him to be with the U S men's national team. Yeah, I'm curious too, and I'd love to get Jesse's thoughts. We've got to get him on the show at some point. I, I yes. you know what? I promised everybody is we'll get Jesse on the show before the World Cup begins. That's that's my new goal and our new target at this point. Because I want to get his make, thoughts. Did on you a lot just promise that? I did. Okay. I, cool. Is that something I like I can, that. We'll no. see if I can follow through. That's that's yeah, my goal that's a, at this moment. I, I uh, believe. I personally, I personally, Jimmy, believe that you're telling the truth right now. But like you know, we've also got to make. It happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I uh, Jesse said when I went over to Leeds, he said that he would come on the show. It's just a matter of 
when that works best for his schedule, as also as when, Je- when, when Jeffy when Jesse's seventy two and he's like Jimmy. I promise is a promise. You know? <laughs> I, promise is a I know problem. it's 2046, but like, you know, I didn't say when. Uh, that's true. He could, he could give me the, I didn't say when excuse. <laughs> yeah. uh, keeping it in the Premier League. We got Matt Turner with Arsenal, the North London Derbies against Spurs. He'll probably be watching it just like the rest of it, but rest of us, but he'll be having better seats, of course. I think he'll be behind Aaron Ramsdale. It'll be awesome if he did get to play. Staying in England, though, Zach Steffen playing away to Coventry. That'll be, uh, I'm going to be watching this one because I want to see if he starts. That's on Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN+. And I think if he wants to be back in consideration for the number one spot, even though Bruce Arena already thinks he has it, he's got to be starting and he's got to be lights out. And and Coventry are the worst team in the championship, the bottom of the table. Burrow are only two spots above them. So a little intrigue there to see if Chris Wilder maintains his position as the manager if they struggle, especially against Coventry. Ethan Horvath plays today away to Hull City at 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus. He just has to be solid. I think Horvath's got the number three spot. He's just got to be solid for the next six weeks to get into the squad. Let's keep it in the the championship, though, and talk a little, because Austin Trusty isn't really part of the festivities this time around. Nope. Let's just talk about Josh Sargent. So his, uh, his squad, Norwich, are playing away to 19th place Blackpool. Now, Norwich are in second. It's a bit of a tricky one since Norwich looked to be without six normal starters due to injury. So we'll see how that impacts the flow of the game and the opportunities that he gets slash creates for himself. Charlie, what do you want to see from Josh Sargent? And then we can maybe talk a little Ricardo Pepe and Jesus Ferreira as well. First, he's probably extremely disappointed with with his I thought he was going to get more minutes I'll be honest 45 minutes the second half where we clearly couldn't do anything against Japan kind of kind of tough I, I think he's he's very disappointed with his time and and not only that just what he was able to do with that 45 minutes whether you think it's a a, a good enough chance for him but either way you know there was that one play where he was played in the space and then dribbled into uh mm-hmm, the other mm-hmm. team so now it's, it's trying to overcome that that letdown, that disappointment. He's done it time, time and time again with both in Germany in the Bundesliga and and here with Norwich in the Premier League. So he's got to get back on his his goal scoring goal scoring tear and get it and just stay in form with his club. Mm-hmm. I think that, if he stays in form, he's in the team. Yeah, you agree? I, I I mean, at what point is are you saying like every game he's scoring a goal? No, or, no, like, but like just being dangerous. I don't expect him to score every game. I, I how many how many goals does he have at the moment? Is it six? I think he's got five. Five, and that's second. Good for it's five or six. Oh, hold on, I'm looking right now. But he either way, has, like, he's second in the say, Golden Boot race right now. Yeah, I would say he's every. Six. He's got six. If he's at nine or ten, come World Cup, I would say he's in because he's he's I, at least personally, I think that's a form that you want, like a good enough form. Um, <laughs> you can't but, get into but, form because then we have to talk about Jordan P. One, two, three, four, <laughs> I think Jordan P. Fox is going to the World Cup, guys. Like, he I should be going to the World Cup. But I, Greg doesn't rate him, dude. He's, what are you my, do? he's my Edson Buttle. He's got, so he, Norwich's got 11 matches before Jeez. World, World Cup. I forgot about that. He should have before the World Cup goals. against. How about the roster, though? How about before the roster? So I mean, that's the only the last days, game. Right? The last game is November 12th. So 10 games. November 5th is the last game before... The He's got ten drop. games. You think he needs three or four goals to make the roster? I think he needs five. Damn, Charlie coming I'm in go with five. Just Otherwise because 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 P Folk I think is coming in. I think P Folk goes to the. He's as, undeniable. As long as, long as, as, long as, as he, he maintains his form, as long as he stays healthy, 
and he's and he's playing every week starting for Union Berlin and they're and they're on this tear. He there's no way he does not go to the World Cup. There's no way. There is no way he's not one of the 26 uh players because we we are lacking a goal scorer. So how can you not bring someone who's scoring goals in the Bundesliga? That just it just doesn't it doesn't, I get you. I get yeah, you. I, it's Hey, it's like okay, okay. So he's got a lot of he's got a lot of games coming up too. Let's talk very quickly about Jordi Pifak. They're traveling to Frankfurt, and his team Union Berlin is on top of the Bundesliga right now. But they're going to face Europa League champions, the reigning Europa League champions, Eintracht Frankfurt. Now Union currently hold the longest unbeaten run in the German league, notching eleven wins and three draws in the last fourteen. That's pretty. This could be a tough matchup for Urs Fischer, the manager who just got a contract extension in the international break. Congrats mm -hmm. to him. Now, they have a lot of games as well. They got Eintracht. Then they have a couple of Europa League games against Malmo. Braga. They've got uh, Borussia work. Dortmund. They'll have Braga at home. They'll have Munch and Gladbach. That one will be, obviously, for Joe Scali purposes as well. Something that I hope Greg will be watching. And they got Bayer Leverkusen. Oh, these so, cats so, aren't stressing, dude. They're top of the table. They're top of the table. I get that. But I'm just trying to say, for these games, it, how many goals does PFOC need for you, Heath? I'll come to you on Jordy PFOC. I, I mean, want to hear from you, Charlie. Weirdly, I think he's got to keep scoring. Like yes, I agree. Uh, be, we saw I'm, this with what's his uh, what's his name? Uh, Brandon Vasquez, well. right? Brandon Vasquez was was all the hype on the form that he was in. You go three weeks. Three weeks is a lifetime. In <laughs> he came team. on the show uh, and we jinxed him. Yeah, three oh, weeks is man. a lifetime in in the national team era, building up towards a roster and form and like if can I trust you? So I think he has to keep scoring too because I'd I don't think Greg loves four him. goals. He, he doesn't love him. That's for yeah. sure. I'd say four goals, so one goal a week. Yeah. And you got you got you have these midweek. Uh, Europa League games, you have a uh, the DFB so Pokal game. But I don't, I don't think he'll play that. But either way, if he just keeps scoring and he's playing, I know he plays in a two striker system. I was about so to say that. That that's and Geraldo Becker, his partner, has been awesome too. Awesome, awesome. But screw the system. <laughs> right? At this point, how can we select players based on system? Get the best players available at the camp, then adjust, then figure it out because. You have to adjust in the World Cup. You might have your one system, then Japan plays you a certain way, and guess what? You got to change it. And maybe it's a, a half a sub a half substitute at halftime, and you're saying we're gonna we're gonna go two strikers at top, and we're gonna absolutely flip this game upside down and change our approach. And then next thing you know, you have a goal scorer who's who's in the box, big body, and you you get that that crucial goal because the ball is whipped in, and he was there to time it. That's that's a lot of Bruce Arena influence in you, who just wants his best eleven players on the field, and they'll figure it out in some capacity. And, and there's a lot no, of truth John, to that. John Brooks is way out. I mean, Deep. that's true. That's true. That's he's true. Not, all right. Not, all right. He's not even playing. Like it, it's one thing if he was playing somewhere. Yeah, he's at Benfica. He's not playing. He, he's not even John, in the conversation. John Brooks made his own plans for November. That's how far <laughs> out he is. Like he's got. He might. He might. You know. He's got his own thing going on for November. Like, okay, I'm not. I'm not free anyway. I got other things going on. He, Heath, as punishment for your Matt Turner being down on yesterday's podcast and our three up, three down over the window, which is unbelievable. <laughs> we're we're going to kick you off the back half of the show. But before no, I let you real? go, yeah, you're out. That's, oh I mean, there's got to be. Listen, uh, there, there has to be more accountability. Listen, uh, we want oh, more accountability. We want more accountability for our national team. It also has to extend to the podcast. Yeah, the I, I got I I I I a, a text from Turner being like, is Heath out of his mind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, listen, 
I tried to text Turner and it said return to sender, you know. <laughs> I got that green bubble, you know. He left it was you like on red, a, dude. a new number who this, you know. Like I that's what I got. So let me give me let me give my final thoughts as as uh, well, no, we'll talk about I want to I want to hear you're our, our number one Ricardo Pepe fan. Yeah. And I wanted to get your thoughts on him before we kind of left the and took our break and kicked you off. Dude, I mean honestly, I think that that he probably left camp disappointed as well. Every striker did. But the, it, it's again, it's the same thing that we looked through. We went to we went to Jesus Ferrer because he found a little bit of form in our qualifying, but it wasn't like our our it wasn't like our systems ever catered to a top striker and putting them in positions to be great. And when they did, our strikers have tend to convert. We've had a few big misses along the way, and and players sort of that being a, a shining thing. But he's one that's now back in his club situation, and he's got to be like, hey, I got to continue this form. I feel good. I'm happy. This was a little blip. I'm. It's one of those situations where you're like glad to be back in your club situation because you're like, this is where I'm. This is where I'm going to like make my national team. I mean, this is where I'm going to go to a World Cup right here at the club. And so I think he's got to have, you know, another guy that I think has got to have four goals. Um, I think he's going just because he kind of fits between a PFOC and a Ferreira. I think he has this versatility that I think Greg likes. And if he's playing and, and contributing, uh, I think he still goes to the World Cup. But he definitely needs to find, personally find, a uh, mm -hmm. form that he hasn't had in a long time. All right, Charlie, I want to get your thoughts about Ricardo Pepe, but we're going to do it after the break so we can chuck heat wait, he, here. Wait, wait, I, let me have my wait, statement. He, yeah, let's, Guys, let's I, 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 I accept my punishment uh, for being uh, being kicked off the show for a half episode. <laughs> Quite frankly, I thought that I wasn't going to get sent the link for today's show to jump on. So to, for you guys to give me a half to redeem myself and, and also while creating a little accountability in my life, I appreciate that. So well, I'll, I, I accept the half match ban. I accept my mistakes. And I promise to be better for for our for our for our audience for for everybody in the comments for everybody listening. Um, I apologize. Hope you'll forgive me, and we can go back to uh, attacking. Jimmy <laughs> well, 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 plot twist, everybody. We got Jonathan Bornstein joining us for the second oh, half no. of the show. Oh, All right, everybody. We take our first and only break of it. Soccer we trust. <laughs> when we come back, we're going to be here without Heath. We'll see you right after this. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust, Chuck. How awesome would it have been had I had Johnny Bornstein ready to go? Amazing. I would have been amazing. And now I'm kicking myself for not having that in place. And I just thought of the idea right before Heath got off. And, and, All right. And people are asking, what did Heath say? Well, we had a three up, three down segment yesterday. And to start with downs, because we wanted we wanted to start Heath, with the downs so we could end on the first. positive. Heath went first. And his first down coming out of camp against Japan and Saudi Arabia. His first <laughs> down was Matt Turner. What? <laughs> it's like the only up. He's he's literally the only up. <laughs> he starts with play, a down. And he's going to go. That's the first person that comes to mind as you're down. So he, he got a, a caution. He's out. He got um, First he got a caution, and then we, we, we got VAR involved. He actually got sent off. Uh, and, and now, Bob, Bob says he doesn't fit the system. You know what? Yeah. We're system guys over here. That's just how it goes. I don't care how good you are, how good looking you are. You're out. So, Chuck, let's talk a little bit about Ricardo Pepe. I want to get your thoughts as a resident number nine. Pepe, last time out for his new Dutch club, mm -hmm. uh, Groningen, he scored. And they were up 1-0, and he got subbed off. And then they lost 2-1. Coincidence? I think not. Keep that guy on for 90 minutes. I think he's going to get the start. They're at home this time around. But they play Azed Alkmaar, who are third in the Eredivisie and haven't lost this season. They got five wins and two draws. And he's going to be – I went and did a little bit more on this because I want to see who he's going up against because I think that's going to be really important. They've got a 23-year-old Dutch center back, uh, Sam Bukema, who has been very good this season. And the highly rated 18-year-old Dutch center back, Maxime Decker, who's going to fill in for the injured Bruno Martins Indy. 
I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter who he's playing, but I wanted to see that type of competition. Alkmaar, a very good team. What do you think? I mean, we kind of know what we want to see from him. It's goals and assists, right. of course. And, and yeah. he's he's supplied that over the last two games for Groningen. But but I wonder how he's going to look coming out of this break. And, and, and I guess, what do you want to see from him in particular? Knowing that he's with a new team, he's still trying to find his way. He probably will start. That's going to lend itself to building confidence so that he can be awesome for us when we kick off against Wales. The, I think the best part of this window, the, the win of the window, was that these European guys for the internationals were in Europe. Yeah. So that, that excuse of like cross-continental travel for, for international games, friendlies, uh, does not exist. So you're not getting benched on the weekend. I mean, so I expect Ricardo Pepe to play. Mm -hmm. And he's just got to focus on one thing and one thing only, and that's scoring goals. That is it. That is it. Because you he got alone there to play. But ultimately, to make a World Cup, you got to score goals. Yeah. Just playing in the Dutch Eredivisie for Groningen is not going to do it. He's got to score goals. And he knows that. I'm sure Greg Berlter told him, you're my guy. You know, you know how <laughs> but, I feel but I need you. you. I, you need to give but me you, evidence of why you're my yes, guy. Yes. We need you to score. I yeah. gave you this call up to show everybody that you're still involved. Give you get your your confidence back up. But you got to go back to Holland and score goals. Otherwise, I'm taking goddamn Jordy Peefock. Yeah, <laughs> really. Um, so I mean, at what point do you think we have to yeah. have those types of conversations? Or do you yeah, even have it? Or is that just something uh, you're talking about with your coaching staff? Or it, it, it should or be it some should players be known. will respond to that type of feedback. Yeah, it should it should be known universally. If if you're a player on this team, you need to perform when you go back to your clubs to get come to the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Outside of you know the guarantees, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, they're guaranteed. No matter what, whether you like it or not, they're playing or not playing, they're going. They're they're that. Yeah, sure, sure. They're that central and uh, sure. important to the team. So, uh, a player like Ricardo Pepe, who's gone in and out, Josh Sargent in and out, uh, Jordan Pifolk in and out, even, and on the outside looking in, you have to go to your club and stay consistent. The, the problem is Jordan Pifolk is like, hey, you told me to keep going and score goals and prove myself. I'm doing that. I'm doing that in the Bundesliga. Some of these guys aren't even playing, and some of these guys are definitely not scoring. How are they getting mm -hmm. called up over me? But guess right, what? Right. Sometimes it, it that's how the national team works. For whatever reason, coaches have their their favorites, their guys, and their and, system, and and that's it. So you just have to. All you can do is continue your form, and it always comes back to you when 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 stuff gets ugly. When you look at these games, things aren't working. Guess what? He has to revert to giving you an opportunity because you are the only one who's scoring goals at the highest level and playing every week. So I. That's why I'm he's got to be hungry, man. You got to see the hunger, right? Yes. That goes back to my chip on the shoulder. Are we seeing your body language? Like I'm going to do whatever I can to score and I'm going to be pissed if I don't, right? There has to be that type of, are we seeing that on the other side though? Are we seeing that on the defensive side? Cause well, no, we, can, we, we haven't gotten to the defenders okay, yet, okay, but, okay. but, but I do want to get there. Now let's talk about some of the injured guys. Team away apparently is back in training which is good news. I don't think they're going to rush him back, of course, which is probably good news too because we need this guy to be fit and sharp. Mm -hmm. Game fitness, though, is so, so much different than just being fit for being fit's sake, right? And we can talk about the mentality of that in a second, but I want to talk about these injuries first. We got his seventh place, Lille, travel to one of the surprises in France, third place, Lorient, who have won all three home, their home games this season. So we'll see if he gets any minutes. If, he, if he's on the on, in the 18-man roster, that's what I'm curious about. 
We have Yunus Musa, who's listed on the injury report as out for Valencia and their away game to Espanyol in La Liga. Gio Reyna has been pronounced as out for seven to ten days by Dortmund manager Edin Tursic. Which means it's not a serious injury at all. Which is right. Great. That means they're just yeah, that's true, and that just means they're being very protective of them, and I'm okay with that. There's there's never been a strain in history that's been diagnosed as just seven to ten days. Yeah, right. It's right. it's tightness. You just got to take a precaution, take some time off, recover, and then you're able to ease your way back into training. And we have uh, Reggie Cannon who got a bit of an injury in camp. We'll see if he plays. Uh, this weekend in the Portuguese league, even if he makes the 18, he's not on the injury report for Boa Vista, but we'll see. He he Uh, didn't help himself anyways. uh, That's true. With the U S men's national team camp. Eric Palmer Palmer Brown was another injury who didn't Mm -hmm. play. He was slated to play from what I understand for 45 minutes against Saudi Arabia, but had a bit of a hammy strain that didn't help his cause by not getting the opportunity Mm -hmm. to maybe play better than the guys that weren't playing that well. Uh, I will see if he even is in the 18 for Trois in their game against uh, 17th place at home. Uh, he's been he's been solid for for Twa this season, so we'll see if he gets in there. Anthony Robinson, another injury, back in training for Fulham after hurting his ankle almost a month ago against Spurs. So this is obviously amazing oh news. Jedi, let's go Jedi. He, he uh, there's they're saying there's no exact timetable for his return, so we'll see if he's in the team when Fulham hosts Newcastle uh, at Craven Cottage on Saturday. Also, this will give us a chance to see the continued steadiness of Tim Ream, who's probably in the best run of form that he's ever had. When playing in the Premier League, he's obviously had opportunities to play in the Premier League before, but I think he's never been this consistent. And maybe because he's got the captain's armband, maybe the system under Marco Silva, everything's just kind of coming up roses for him at the moment, but he's been very, very solid. And I look forward to seeing how he performs against a revamped Newcastle team that is flush with oil money. And Alexander Isak. Yeah, go ahead. I got to come at you. What's up? What are we supposed to do for the center back positions come Qatar in your mind of all the center backs available what's the depth chart who's one and two oh my god and, and let's it's so say worry though it's uh, the ccv's hurts uh, cameron carter vickers is I know. also let's out say, let's say everyone's healthy at this point and i know cameron carter vickers would have been great to see another another get, couple of games with him with the u.s men's national team because it's hard just to watch them at club and you don't get to see them with the group i get that but given everyone's healthy what, who's one and two? And let's say they have a bad game in, in the first game against Wales. Who well, That can't happen, by the way. It gets back to what I said before. We, it we need that happen. belief. We right. have to get that belief again, not only from the core group of the, or the players and the coaches, but also all the fans back home, man. We just want to have that little bit of spark of belief. What, what, do, you got? what, do, you, what do you got? Who, who's uh, your four? And, and uh, would you bring in somebody who's not there? Right I would now? consider Tim Ream at this point. You I know I've been harsh it. on him in the, in the past, but if we feel like Wales – is going to take notes from Japan. They're going to take notes from Saudi Arabia and sit back off of our center backs a little bit. Then you might want to consider bringing in somebody that can pass a little bit better than our current options. What about and, just and dump, dumping it and just getting guys high and then having? That, well, keeper, yeah, that's that's keeper. another thing. But that that plays into Greg's style that he wants to high press higher up the fields. But do we have the players that really want to do that? I don't. I don't look at Gio Reyna and look at him as somebody that likes to high press. I'm just. I'll, I'll just say that Weston McKinney will do it. But I don't know if he really wants to do it. Uh, Pulisic will do it, but he's another one that, like, when I look at, let's, let's, I'll use this as a comparison. When you, Brendan Aronson, that dude loves to press. That's why he fits, leads the system under Jesse Marsh. Tyler Adams is the same. Those guys like the press. Those guys' is the energy to go win the ball, those guys are Hawks. When I look at McKinney, when I look at Pulisic, when I look at Reyna as examples, I don't see that same sense of urgency from them. 
Will they do it at times? Yes. But in that type of system, that type of pressing has to be consistent. Because if one person, you know this, Charlie, if one person isn't Gone. running with the same urgency and everything, it's the first domino that goes. And now everybody can be potentially caught out of, out of the position because they're all trying to press in a certain way. So I do fear a little bit with the long ball and trying to win that second ball if not everybody's bought into that high-pressing system. So if we are going to sit back a little bit, then I think Tim Ream is a good option. John Brooks, for me, is is out of the, the, the yeah, picture. It's just, not, it's not a, it's, it feels personal. Yeah. That one's out. But Tim Ream is actually a player, and I mentioned this before, that was kind of like Greg. Good pass to the ball, good understanding of how to play, good communicator, not very fast, not a great athlete. And, and I see Tim as that. But if we're going to sit back and need somebody to spray it, especially a natural what, – what I think is hurting us too, and against Saudi Arabia, you got Serginho Dest, a right footer playing left back. You got Aaron Long playing left center back, a right footer. Now, I played left center back for the national team when I had Eddie Pope or Gooch or whoever next to Jada Merritt next to me. And I had to be very good at going from left to right and hitting that switch like within a 0.2 seconds. I had to make that decision way before the ball got to me if I saw Chirondolo with a little bit of space. But But – I don't know if we have that or if we're thinking that, but it's better if you have a left-footed player. It's a little bit more deceptive if you can hit across your body uh, that way. Right, so Tim right. Ream, for me, is it, it should be an option and should be part of the conversation because I think Wales could sit back, Charlie. My brother is absolutely loving this. You can see him, JB Davies, 16. He's been calling for Tim Ream to be included because he plays every week in the Premier League. That's his argument. You, how is he playing every week in the Premier League? I get your system and he's slow, yeah, right, right. but if, if you drop deep, and you want players to, to spray play of, the ball play of, and play out of situations and, and yeah. smart and someone who can like organize a team and also say, Hey guys, stop this, stop this riffraff. We're going to play a certain way. That would be, that would, that would be the guy that would make sense to be included. Now you don't have to start him, but you know, in terms of being at one of the 26, he thinks that makes sense. I, 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 I agree. What I'll say is, and when you're asking me about the center backs overall, we need leadership from that position. And I'll give you an example. Aaron Long against Japan makes a mistake, makes a bad pass 30 seconds in. I watch Aaron Long. He's only worried about Aaron Long in that moment. He's not solving problems for the team anymore. He's only thinking about Aaron Long. And I get it, man. There's so much pressure. These guys are, I get it. I understand why that happens. But what we need is center backs that aren't just thinking about themselves. They have to think about the whole team. That's that's the position. They can see the whole field. It's super important. They have to lead. They have to put people in good spots, both with or without the ball. They have to put put out fires before they start. Or, or it, it, I think for us as the center backs, once the game opens up, can you get the ball to the playmakers? Because you don't need to make the game. What you need to do is get the ball to the players that do make the game and give them a little bit more time on it. When you look at that Japan game, Japan was baiting us to play those tough balls into our playmakers who had people right up their ass. Like, it's impossible to, for them to do what they want. Pulisic can't turn every single time. Every once and, in a while, and, sure. And, and the weight of the pass was usually way off. Oh, dude. It was and too soft or rocket, too hard. Or rocket <laughs> yeah. into them. It was crazy. It was crazy. And I know the field was a little bit spicy or whatever, but Japan had to play on the same field. So I don't really use that as an excuse. So, so that's what I would be looking for. And Tim Ring brings that as well. He brings some leadership. He brings some calm. And I think he's got enough experience where if everything's on fire, he can still like, okay, we're going to solve this. And I think Walker has that as well. And he's going to need to have it. And Walker has that maybe more than the others. If Chris Richards makes a mistake in a game, I don't know what he's about enough to know. Is he going to be in his own feelings? Is he only worried about his stuff at that point? Like when the World Cup, what I loved about playing in the World Cup, Chuck, 
is that you didn't have time to worry about what just happened because the next play is right there. It's a thousand miles an hour, and you only have to think in that moment and maybe the moment of next. You have to anticipate what's going to happen next. Do you because, see a lot of Walker Zimmerman in you? Yeah, there's a little bit. I think I might have a soft spot for him. It, yeah. Not only because we have similar playing styles in some ways, but and I don't know, but I haven't played next to him, so I can't really speak to his leadership. I'm just assuming that that happens. But you can see that there's a respect there, and, and Greg wouldn't give him that captain's armband otherwise. And you can see the players listen to him, which is important. But because of his age, this is his last go to make the World Cup team. He's not going to make it in 26 at tw 33 years old. I was similar. I got I played in the World Cup at 29. I knew that was probably going to be my best chance to make it happen, and I, I made it work. And I got to hold my own against some of the world's best players, which is a huge, huge thing for me. We didn't do much as a team, but I was excited that I got that opportunity and proved myself. I can see a lot of that in him, some urgency of like, this is my last chance to do that. So I, I relate to him a little bit there. Now, Tim Ream is 34. That's no spring chicken over there, Charlie. But, but that's what I would be looking for in the center backs. When you say one and two, I think number two could be situational. If Walker's our number one, even if you went with Walker and Ream, there's some kind of comfort level there. I don't know how comfortable you would be with Zimmerman and Ream, but I'm kind of curious your thoughts. And anybody else listening, if you want to hit us up at ISWT Pod on Twitter or right now in the comments, do it. I wouldn't be comfortable because the Too way walk, yeah, because the way Walker plays, he dives in. He go he goes for he goes for challenges and and you know in a lot of cases it's almost 50 50. You you bet on yourself, but in a World Cup, it's easy to get turned, much easier to get turned. And when he is out of position, I don't have confidence in in Tim Ream to cover the the when when teams try to exploit that space. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think he has enough pace to get there. That's if you play the high pressing style, which is what Greg wants from his players. So you're not helping Tim Ream in that instance at all, especially when you're sending Anthony Robinson all the way to hell up the, the touchline because Chris uh, Christian Pulisic comes inside. So now you're getting your width from your left back, and Anthony Robinson stays high. So right. now you're, you're asking Tim Ream not only to cover the space in behind Walker Zimmerman when he goes up, but also to get to the touchline. We've already had that experiment with him and John Anthony Brooks. It's a no-go. You are not putting your team in a, in a position to win games if you're allowing a, a left center back like Tim Ream playing so high up the field to cover one area and, and another area. Yeah. Well, what do you think, though, about his – I mean, he's already obviously has rapport and an understanding of Anthony Robinson. I think yes, that gives but him an advantage on, well. I mean, it's, it's, it's like really evident. And you're talking about Wales, Daniel James. You're talking about England, go down the list. Rashford, Sancho, uh, uh, Raheem Sterling. I mean, just pace, pace, pace. You were uh, Rashford, Sterling – I mean, it's just too many players who will, will absolutely eat you up. You give them that much time and space on the touchline. So for Saka, I mean, it, it's just they have loads and loads and loads of wingers with pace who are who are amazing at one v one. So so so, but with Tim Ream, he's already had to deal with that in the Premier League. Yeah, when, next, when he has next to Anthony Robinson, when, when he only has. 12 feet behind him from him. And no, the I get that. I get that. On top of no, him. no, no, no. I, I understand there's some limitations with Tim. And when he gets isolated 1v1, even so far in the Premier League, which hasn't happened much, but it, it the, the guys do get a little bit of space to necessarily do exactly what they want, but they get that that chance to get across or they get a chance to get a I'll shot take, off or whatever. I see Jason Peters comment. Sancho, not that fast. I'll take Sancho in a, in a foot race with John Anthony Brooks and Tim Ream all <laughs> day. 
So, so oh, anyway, I think Tim Ream should be part Let's of the conversation. Go. Yeah. So I guess what you're saying is you take either either Tim Ream or Walker Zimmerman, and then you you want an athlete next to him. And if that you, and in your mind, Chris Richards would be that athlete. So you would take Richards and Ream. I will take Richards. You start. You start them against Wales. Uh, no, I, Richards and and Zimmerman. <laughs> I'm still. I'm still. Okay. Okay. So who plays the left center back position then? Is it Zimmerman or Richards? They're both right footers. Well, Chris, Chris Richards has played there in the Bundesliga. He's played That's there true. on the left side of a three. He's played on the left side of a three. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. He he would be mighty comfortable playing in that position. And okay. again, the only way Tim Ream plays is if we're going to play that way against Japan. And that was because our center backs dropped so deep, which takes away Matt Turner. Yeah. If yeah. you have a goalkeeper who's supposed to be good at their feet, you're absolutely taking them away when you're sitting your center backs on either side of them in, in the, in the 18 yard box. It's, it's pointless to have a goalkeeper with feet at that point. So, so, so only, he, only yeah. if you're going to sit back and drop and defend with no space in behind you, then Tim Ream should be in the team. Yeah. But yeah. that's not how we're going to play. So it, it doesn't make sense. I know it's a bit moot, it. but, but yeah. I also, oh man, I, I, I want to bring in the fact that there's a level of trust because when I think about Aaron Long, he made that mistake and he made a couple bad passes. And I look at right when that happens, I actually look at the rest of the team. I look to see what their body language is. And a lot of it was heads down. Like they, it's almost like they expected him to make a mistake or, or disappointed that we can't like connect passes. You can see their frustration level go. And I wonder if, if an Aaron Long wasn't starting and a Tim Ream was what kind of trust the rest of the group would have in that particular player in that area of the field. That's just something that we don't need to answer now, everybody. But I just want you to know that that's something that I think that Greg Berhalter needs to take Felix, into consideration when making these decisions. Felix Santos, great, great comment on YouTube. I'm not high on Reem. He's always underwhelmed with the U.S. But if GB insists on playing out of the back, you have to consider him. That's that's spot on. Yeah, spot on. And and I think that connection with Anthony Robinson playing week in and week out or training every day with Fulham, I think, does make a difference too. And And you have to wonder... What sale sales? What Saudi Arabia or no Wales are going to do? I've got it all wrong here. Uh, with regard to that. So anyway, this is this is uh, what's interesting is. I think both center back positions should be up for discussion right now. But but if you're a coach, you want to build around at least one, and I think Walker Zimmerman's the one right now. And and Nashville's in a pretty good run of form: four wins and two draws in their last six games. They're also fighting. We're in the last couple of weeks of MLS. That's my favorite time of MLS, frankly, Charlie, because all of a sudden things are tighter and there's a lot more riding on all these games. And so I love that. And I love the, the run into the playoffs. And I think that's going to help. Now, if any of these guys lose early, that that's going to give us some concern in future podcasts because they're going to be sitting for a while. And I know Greg has talked about having an early camp for those guys, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. I do want to finish this podcast, though, with Weston McKinney. Yes. Because there were some flashing lights of concern, I think, around his two performances where you can see, obviously, his quality, but you can also see that he gets casual at times and and maybe isn't running as hard as we'd like to see him in certain situations. Now, he returns to Juve, and he's going back to a Juve team that are under a great deal of pressure, including their manager, Maxi Allegri, who many have asked the board to sack. Uh, we got Rabio and Locatelli both coming back from injury. So it'll be interesting to see who Allegri elects to play in central midfields. They take on Bologna this weekend. Are you afraid at all that if Maxi Allegri stops playing Weston on a regular basis, where do you think Weston's head's going to be at? Come, this is, we got like five, five weeks, six weeks before the Ross. I worry about where Weston's head could be at if all of a sudden he's not a first choice selection or somewhat first choice selection for Juve. 
Well, I don't because World Cups are an opportunity for these players to earn a new move. True. So so if Wesson's not playing and Juve's situation is is not great, uh, this just the club. It's it's trending in the wrong direction right at the moment. If he doesn't play, then you come to the World Cup with with the, all this hype to say I I gotta I gotta be better. And if I want to earn a move somewhere, I think I've built a pretty good reputation at, at Juve across European uh, clubs that I got to show my 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 brilliance with the U.S. men's national team and dominate the midfield, help this team get out of the group, and then and then we'll we'll take it from there. You can't come in, no matter what your situation is. You cannot come in head down and negative. You have to come in positive and want to make a difference. And I think Weston, we don't talk about him enough because. He hasn't really hasn't really risen to the occasion that we need him. We need him to be so much better because we know how good he can be. We've seen him when he makes some some incredible goals with Juve, when he has some of these performances that keep him playing every week at Juve, given how many players they, they have in the midfield, other options. We need him to be better. He especially played extremely poorly these past two games. Yeah. And I think it comes down to his positioning. He's too high up the pitch. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's not a 10. He's not a creative midfielder. He is one that is more of a defensive eight. He can play six, but he's more of a defensive eight. Win aerial challenges. He's great in the air. Set pieces, both attacking and defending. And then breaking up plays, getting into space, that just covering ground. That's when he's at his best. I, I play to his feet and think he's going to dribble out of out of well, that's, trouble that's, and 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 play these brilliant balls forward. That's not his game. No, no, no. I was going to say that. I don't really know what his best. I mean, obviously it's central midfield, but I don't really know where how to tag him the best. Defensive eight is interesting because that means he's going to be dropped down a little bit deeper to go pick up the ball to help his transition. And his back to goal play, I don't think is great. He's better yeah. to your point. I think he's better when he's forward facing and, and yes. picking up a second ball and playing from there. I will say that I was excited when he made a couple runs out of midfields up over the top uh, against Saudi Arabia early on. I thought that was really effective and we got away from that a little bit, or maybe Saudi Arabia just took it away from us. And I think that's been uh once they dropped off, that was clear. They're trying to, to suffocate that area of the field. But we stopped hitting that ball, too. So, so yes. What I do love about Weston McKinney, and this is going to kind of put a button on everything I said at the beginning, he's probably my favorite player on the national team when he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. That dude takes it to the next level, especially when he plays against Mexico. That dude, like, raises his game 10 steps because he – the Mexicans are, are disrespectful to him, and I love that he sticks it to him every single time that he plays. And I only kind of wish that he thought we were playing against Mexico every time he stepped on the field because he just has a little different energy for those types of games. And I want to see him have that chip on his shoulder in a positive way, of course. We can see 100%. at times chips on his shoulder, and you've been around players, and we've probably gone through it ourselves, Charlie, where a chip on the shoulder can can hurt us, right? Sometimes it's a big strength, and sometimes it's a big weakness where we, we're, we're demanding things that aren't – ready at that particular time that's i could get into more of the mental side of the game i guess on a, on a later podcast but but this is a weston mckinney i'm very curious to see what happens for him in the next few weeks as guys get healthy and where he's going to fit into this puzzle for juve because they're struggling right now and i think maxi Legger is only going to trust people that are going to go out there and get him results and juve excuse me and weston has got him results in the past so i know there's some trust there but I wonder when it looks like this. So it'll be really interesting to see. Final thoughts, Charlie. You got anything for us ahead of this big weekend return of the club game around the world? Just want to see our guys go out and, and 
and have some performances that we can start talking about, you know, just uh, clapping, saying, hey, guys are scoring goals. Guys are, are, are getting clean sheets. You know, Matt Turner and Zach Steffen are both playing and getting clean sheets because I, I, I would like to see these competitions. Guys who are going to be fighting for spots in different leagues who are playing are performing and pushing one another. Yeah. That's, that's the mentality we need right now is everyone's pushing each other to be better. So I want us to, you know, coming in Monday saying, hey, did you see this performance? Did you see this performance? And talk yeah, about these positive, these positive moments from, from, our, from our national team pool guys. No, I love that. Inject that energy straight into my veins, Chuck. Also, I want to see that chip on the shoulder. And in some ways, I want to see our guys having fun. It didn't look like they had fun in any minute of those 180 minutes we had in our last two games with the national team. So hopefully that'll change with the club seat. We'll wait and see. We'll obviously talk about it on Monday. So my final thoughts are thank you so much for listening to In Soccer We Trust. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're also available on video here on the YouTubes. And for those that don't know, go over, hit subscribe, find us on YouTubes, and make it happen. All right, so on behalf of Des, our producer and producer Alex and Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies and Hollywood Heath Pierce, who has now fulfilled his requirement of the band, I am Jimmy Conradinho Conrad saying thank you for listening and listening and watching and watching. I said it twice to make sure you guys are paying attention to In Soccer We Trust. We'll see you next time. Have a good weekend. Later.